0: This week, this week, I attended a Kiwanis lunch where I heard from Michelle Harrison, who volunteers with the Refuge for Women. And she talked about human trafficking and sex trafficking in Kentucky. And so at the start of the lunch, I was totally at peace and I was content and I was so excited because it was the fourth Taco Tuesday in seven days of different, you know, lunches that I had attended. So it was Taco Tuesday at the four different lunches I got and I was like, this is gonna be awesome. And then as she spoke and she talked about how human trafficking happens, I could just feel the pressure in my heart start. And and the question is like, What are these chat rooms that Jillian's on and that she helps moderate? Like, do I really know who these people are? Do I really know what's going on? And where's Maddie online? And and does she know that people actually lie? Does she know that? (laughs) Okay, and so, you know, and in an instant, my peace was gone. It was gone. And all of a sudden there was stress and worry and anxiety. I don't know if you know this, but peace and worry cannot coexist. It's impossible for them to coexist. Um, So joy, like we talked about last week, joy is like a really good fine wine. It can be nutty yet fruity. It can have complex things to it. I'm told this. I don't drink wine. That's what they tell me when I go to the winery events. Oh, this is a complex thing. and I, I just trust that they're telling me the truth. Okay, but joy can have sadness and, and anger and other frustrations, and it can all be kind of messed together like a giant glob of fettuccine that didn't cook right, okay? But peace... Peace is different. Peace won't tolerate any kind of worry or anxiety at all. So worry and anxiety, as it builds on the inside, it creates this pressure, and it just pushes peace right out the door. And let's be honest, there is little in America these days that is going to give you and help you to have peace. Hashtag cable network news, right? um if got kids did you know that the person living three doors down is a registered sex offender enjoying that ribeye steak or that watermelon from kroger did you hear about the latest recall involving ribeyes right i mean got teenage drivers did you know that how distracted people are in an instant they're inexperienced someone crosses the median and airbag deployment so there's all the. how's your stress level right now now that I brought up some of these things, you're like, you know, Max, I was going to go home and have a ribeye. I didn't even know about the recall. You should know. <laughs> you, you should know, right? So, so here's the thing. And I'm going to read several verses. Yes, we are tracking along fruit of the spirit. So this is exactly what you would learn in G-Town. You're learning in big church today. Boom, mic drop. Okay, so, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control i have to look because i always i mess up i goodness and gentleness i switch all the time and i can't get over that so okay but that's paul's list and paul is saying that if you are a jesus follower if you're a christian the holy spirit comes inside of you and over time the out the outflow, the result, the product of having the spirit inside of you at work in you is this set of qualities, all right? And Jesus, at the end in John 14, he says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That's the gift that Jesus gives. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled, or afraid. And of course, Paul says the same thing in Philippians. He says, Don't worry about anything. Instead pray about it. Tell God what you need, thank him for what he's done. And you will, not you might, if all the stars align and it's a good day and it's not raining. It's not, there's no conditional. And you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So here's my big idea for the day. Yes, you can have peace because God is writing the end of the story. You can have peace because God is writing the end of the story. And I'm gonna tell you, God is a really great storyteller. He tells really good stories. And even though there are twists and turns, just like in the movie, 16 minutes in, and you're like, "Ah!" okay. Your life is like that sometimes. Trust me, God is writing a better story story, okay? So we worry and we fret because we're not sure, let's be honest, we're not sure that God's so good. And we're not sure that God's at work even though he says he is. And and we have questions that go through all throughout the day. Does this outfit work? Is this too much blue? Probably should have worn different shoes today, right? And is my hair okay? Is anybody going to notice this pimple if you're young enough? Will I ever find a decent person to marry? It's, where's the shortage of decent people? Are the kids doing okay in school? I haven't really checked their homework. Have you checked their homework? Do you know what's going on in this math? What is parenthetical math anyway? Like, I don't, still don't get that. Should I let her go to this party? You're coming home right after prom, aren't you? Like, and, and uh, am I ever going to retire? No, probably not. Am I, you know, and these questions, they can, <laughs> will my health hold out, okay? So all of this pressure, all of this worry can be summarized by one word, uncertainty. We, can we just acknowledge, does life have a lot of uncertainty to it? The last election, did it not have a lot lot of uncertainty to it? Life has uncertainty. The stock market, retirement funds, relationships. And so fear and faith both deal with uncertainty. Fear is, I'm not really sure of the outcome, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be bad. Faith is, I'm not sure of the outcome, but I can trust God to write a good ending. If not in this life, then in the next. And so here's the thing. Fear is the concern that God cannot be counted on, and faith is the confidence that God will do what he's promised, that God's writing the end of the story. And Jesus takes this seriously. So here's the thing. Um, Peace and faith are connected. So, right, If, if peace can't have worry and anxiety in it, Peace is actually connected to faith. It's like they're a package deal, okay? And so uh, Jesus is gonna be teaching us from Matthew chapter six today. And believe it or not, normally I have a really clear take-home thing today guess who did the take home the taken at home application of the text jesus like he actually spells out in this passage like what to do like he wrote the application so it's kind of cool um so we're going to be in matthew chapter 6 and one of the thickest commentaries on the uh matthew is this uh egghead named rt france and he has this to say about this particular passage he says the simple analogy here is worth many paragraphs of reasoned argument. The meaning is simple, but undeniable, okay? Now, so let's get into things. I, I, I have never met him. I just assume that's how he sounds <laughs> based on other classes I have had with New Testament scholars, okay? So Matthew chapter 6, verse where are we? 25. This is verse 25, regardless of what's on the bottom. That is why... <laughs> Who put those slides together? (laughs) Okay, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Worry is unreasonable. And there's a few things about this. Um, The word here sometimes means distracted. It's the same word used of Martha. When Jesus comes to visit, she's worrying, she's distracted. She's all about the stuff. Uh, In other words, in other places in the New Testament, this same word means to be strangled or choked. Strangled, choked. Let me ask you a simple question. Is that a good thing? (gasps) Is that a good thing? No, no. Strangled, choked, bad, okay? All right? So Jesus is implying that we have some kind of agency when it comes to worry. Yes, worry can happen to us. But we have some agency, we have some choice when it comes to how that plays out in our lives. And he wants to help us with it, okay? So the second verse, uh, verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Worry is, Jesus is implying in this section, unnatural. Um, Your father feeds the birds, and they're not panicked, and so Jesus is making this argument of lesser to greater, which rabbis of the first century would do, okay? And so, um, have you ever seen a lazy bird? Have any any of you ever seen a bird that's just like, you know, I'm not going to build a nest or do anything, I'm not going to look for worms. No, birds are always working hard, but I don't know if you know this about the animal kingdom, but... Birds don't worry. Birds aren't taking pills for anxiety. It's it's, it's a thing. Like, only humans worry. We we worry and fret. And birds should be worried, right? Some of you climatologists, they should be really worried, but they're not They're because they're birds, okay? We're the only thing in God's creation that worries. So worry is unnatural, Jesus is saying. And then verse 26, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And we would say no and in fact we know from science that worrying does the opposite worrying and all that pressure in your heart and whatnot and it gets all tangled up in there and you're like it's hard it's really really hard so Jesus goes on and this is the kicker verse 28 and following why worry about your clothing look at the lilies and how they grow They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wire flowers that are here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And then he has this interesting rhetorical question. Why do you have so little faith? Little faith is not um, the absence of faith. It's a deficient form of faith. Um, it's, it's a little faith says, well, God doesn't really care about me. That's little faith. Um, little faith is, well, God just wound up the world and he's off doing whatever. He's not really involved in what goes on in my life. He doesn't care. That's little faith. Um, and so Jesus is wanting us to see that, yes, God provides. God provides And then lastly, in verses 31 and following, he asks some questions. So don't worry about these things saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows your needs. So he's saying worry is almost, it's like it's not Christian. You're not believing that God's at work. Um, And he's wanting us to see that, yes, we can count on God. Did Jesus trust his heavenly Father? Yes, he did. Did everything play out really wonderfully well in Jesus' life? Not necessarily, right? And yet, God provides. Let me ask a couple of questions in light of this passage, and then I'm going to let Jesus explain the meaning. If God were more involved in your finances, more involved in your marriage, more involved in your job, more involved in your school, more involved in your relationships, do you think he'd be more secure or less secure? And then... Do you believe that God's love and grace are infinite and renewable or do you think that they're somehow limited and finite and in short supply? So how do we take this home, right? And again, this is fruit of the spirit. So again, peace and faith are linked together this fruit of the spirit in your life. And peace won't tolerate worry and anxiety. They're going to they're going to conflict and bang up against each other to see which is going to dominate your heart and your life okay um and so jesus kind of unpacks this and he explains the meaning in these last couple of verses and the first is put put god first he says this seek the kingdom of god above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need it's a promise if you'll be about my needs and he spells out what his needs are, what his kingdom's about. Matthew 25, toward the end of this gospel, he articulates groups of people that he really cares about profoundly. And he says, If you're about these things, I'm going to be watching out for you. Now, it doesn't mean that we get everything that we want, uh, but it's a promise that we can count on God. Um, and so put God first. Just put God first. And that's in relationships, that's in finances, that's in everything that you do. Just put God first. The second thing Jesus says is, in a sense, live one day at a time. That's Matthew chapter 34. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Um, I don't know about you, but there was a season in my life where I did the whole borrow trouble thing. What if we really can't retire? What if the house isn't paid off in time? What if da 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 da, da and my plans for college go pfft for the kids? What if, what if, what if, what if, whoo? <laughs> Can short you out. I think I've gotten to a point where I realize today is enough. <laughs> Let me say that again. Today is enough. <laughs> today is enough. And all God wants you to have faith for is today not beyond today, not next week, not next month, just today, today, because today's enough. <laughs> I think he was trying to teach us that with God's people that we read about in the Old Testament. There was this thing called manna. Have you heard of it, right? The substance that appeared on the top of the ground every morning, and you would think, right, after 40, I always go back in time and I think, these people, they don't trust God. Like, whoa, well, how silly are they? Like, for 40 years, God provides, and all of a sudden, like, tomorrow, he's not? And then I'm like, hey, Vanderpool. Hey, Vanderpool. You know that worrying and fretting you were doing about da-da-da? Hmm, what's good for the goose, right? So, manna was this tangible thing day after day. And the funny thing is, right? On the Sabbath, there was no manna. And yet, where we read in in those passages that at the very beginning, some folks went out looking, I'm not so sure I can trust God on this. I got to make sure I've got some, right? And it rotted. And God really wants them to know, no, no, you can trust me. So today is enough. Today is enough. And then lastly, trust God for the things that are beyond your control. And that's verse 30, where he says, Uh, if God cares wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll care for you. He'll care for you. Um, Kyle Eidelman says that we should uh, surrender in the shower. I don't know if you know this, but there are people who get PhDs and study human behavior, and they have determined that Americans do four things in the shower. So when they're in the shower, Americans will go over their to-do list. Number one. What, am I, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do oh, that's right, and tonight's soccer, and okay, they go over to their to-do list. Second thing Americans do in the shower is uh, they, they problems and worries. Oh, that's right. Oh, that relationship's out of rack. Oh, okay, in the shower. Third thing, which is a thing I think some of the people in my household, they daydream, so it's, you know, time vortex and an hour and a half later, Oh, I'm still in the shower. Weird. The hot water's run out. I don't understand this. Okay? So and then the fourth thing that Americans do in the shower is they work. They go over the work that they need to do. So 3 out of the 4 things that Americans are doing in the shower is no bueno. So instead of some of those things, the next time you're in the shower and you're tempted to, right? Just surrender. Surrender in the shower. God, hey, I'm stressed out about ABC. I give it to you right now as an act of faith. Like literally I've got nothing and I've got nothing on right now. Like there's nothing I have right now, okay? And I surrender it to you. I need you. So a surrender in the shower. Maybe you should try that this week, okay? I love, and so I I wanna close out with this, the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates this little section of um, Matthew chapter six. Uh, And I think... Right, You'll get this. And look, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. Just let Jesus lead and you take the next step. And it's gonna be messy and you're gonna stumble. That's part of it. But just let him lead and follow, okay? If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds."